so much for giving us that scripture reading. You have the opportunity, I should mention, uh, to be a scripture reader. Uh, once a month or so, we try to let our young people come up and do some scripture reading for us. So if you're a young person, if you've got a young person, hey, if you're just young at heart and you really want to do a scripture reading, let us know. You can come up and you can be part of scripture reading. We do that about once a month or, or maybe even more often uh, that opportunity is open. So I just want to mention that to you. It is great to be back with you today to help wrap up our series on jumpstarting your spiritual growth. Are you ready to do this? Everybody got some energy out there? It's summertime. Hopefully you've had a chance to vacation or get some rest or do something fun that energizes you so that today you can have energy for what we're going to be talking about as a church with jumpstarting your spiritual growth. Uh, the other thing we've been doing here is we've been talking about spiritual practices, and I guarantee if you invest in your spiritual growth, you will begin to make progress in your spiritual life and experience the full and abundant life that Jesus promised to us. That's the whole point behind the series that we're in right now. If you remember, let's review a little bit. If you remember in, in week one, we asked the question, am I satisfied with my spiritual growth? And we said that if the answer to that question is yes, I'm satisfied, I'm good where I am, I don't really need to change anything, it might mean that you've shifted your life into park. So that's where we started was in the gear of park, right? And our spiritual practice for that week that I gave you was a three-step easy process for Bible study. Hopefully you've had the chance to give that a try, maybe even make it a habit in your regular daily devotional time. And then in week two, we heard from Marshall Metter, and Marshall got up here, and he talked about what it looks like when you're going backwards. Your life is in reverse. He talked about the need for accountability, right? What it looks like to have someone in your life who can ask tough questions to help you stay on the right track. And then last week, we heard from Bishop Keith Blank. He brought us a message about coasting along in neutral and how uh, we have spiritual disciplines that we can use to help us on a daily and weekly basis to engage with the Holy Spirit's work inside us. Now, I noticed when uh, Marshall and Keith were up here, they kind of took advantage of the situation because I wasn't here to defend myself and they had some things to say. So I decided the only way that I was going to be able to address that was by proving to them that I really am the good driver that I think I am. And so I took these two guys on a road trip this past week, and we went some crazy places, did some crazy things. I actually have some found footage for you of our road trip that I took with Marshall and Keith this past week that you can check out. So I leave it up to you to decide which one of us was in which car. But uh, I was just trying to see if these guys could keep up with me, and I think they did pretty good. So let's see. Uh, we talked about park. We talked about reverse. We talked about neutral. That only leaves one on our gear shift. What is it? Drive. That's right. It's time to shift into drive. All these other three attitudes that we've been talking about with spiritual growth can keep you 
from making progress in some way. If you're parked, you're not really moving, you're not really going anywhere. If you're in, in reverse, you're going the wrong way, right? And if you're coasting along in neutral and you're not allowing God to work in your life, then you might just be faking it the whole time. But when you shift into drive, you do it with purpose. See, this is you saying, I know where I want to go. I'm putting my hands on the wheel. I'm setting a course and I'm hitting the road. I told you all, I think I'm a pretty good driver, but I'm also, uh, I've also experienced what it's like to make a mistake on the road. Anybody out there ever have a, a traffic accident of some kind? If you've been in a traffic accident, let me see your, your hands. So I'm not alone in this. You know, these days we see a lot of signs and a lot of public service announcements that encourage people to stay alert when they're driving. Put the cell phone down, right? Don't text and drive, things like that. Because one wrong moment of distraction can lead to a deadly crash. Once upon a time when I was much younger, I was working at a store that was about a, a half an hour from my home. And in order to get there, I had to take an interstate highway. And so I would go down the interstate and I'd get off where it was time to get off and, and uh, take the side streets to get to the final location. So one day as I was traveling down the interstate highway, it had been raining. Uh, I didn't think too much about that because it had stopped raining earlier in the day. The roads were starting to dry, uh, you know, no, no, no skin off my back. Everything was fine. So we're coming, I'm coming down off the interstate. I'm getting off the exit ramp. And when I do that, the exit ramp was the kind that takes you down and underneath the highway you just got off of, okay? So I'm coming down the ramp. As I come down the ramp, I see traffic in front of me moving along. And I look over my shoulder to the left to see if traffic's coming so that I can merge over into the, into the new lane. And when I turn back around, the traffic that was in front of me had stopped. And it was rather sudden. And as I hit the brake, I stepped on the brake, kind of a quick judgment, quick movement on my account. And when I hit the brakes, I started to go under the overpass where the road was still wet, started to slide forward. And my brakes locked up. I was driving a manual transmission car. My car stalled. And I was an inexperienced driver, and I didn't know what to do. And as my brakes were locked up and I was sliding, I just kind of froze, and I ran right into the van that was in front of me. Now, they pulled over, and I restarted my car, and I pulled over, and they were okay, and I was okay. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, things that happened after that that I could tell you about the story. But you know, let's suffice it to say that it could have been a lot worse, right? They were okay, I was okay. That one moment of indecision, that one moment of not knowing what to do, that one moment of distraction could have caused a deadly crash. They could have been killed, I could have been killed, especially if I'd been moving at a higher rate of speed. It could have been the end of everything for me or for them. I say this with love and respect to anyone who has lost someone in a traffic accident, but I believe we all have responsibility on the road when we're drivers, right? We have responsibility for our own safety. We have responsibility for the safety of the people around us. And there's not a single person out here who can say, you know, that we're promised tomorrow. We're never sure when our last day on earth is going to be. We don't know when we might be put in an unsafe situation that we can't control. But knowing that, knowing that we aren't promised tomorrow, that kind of lights a fire in my heart. It says to me, I need to make today count. I need to make the most of the time that I have, right? Does anyone else feel that way? I need to make the most of the time that I have. I need to do things right. I need to love my wife well. I need to love and lead my family well. 
I, I want to show people care in my life. I want to show them the grace of God. I want to take care of people well. And all of these things that I want to do well, I can only do them if I'm intentional about it. I can only do it intentionally. So you can't be a good spouse or a good parent or a loving person by accident. You can only do it intentionally. And you don't grow spiritually by accident either. You only do it intentionally. Are you with me? You only do it intentionally. So let's look at today's tough question, shall we? Today's question is, am I being intentional about my spiritual growth? Am I being intentional about my spiritual growth, or am I expecting it to just kind of happen on its own, kind of by accident? One of the things I love about this series is that it gives us a collection of questions that we can use to kind of self-evaluate. We look at ourselves and we ask these questions and we say, how am I really doing? Today's question is meant to be a motivational one. Am I being intentional about my spiritual growth? Am I taking those steps forward? To be intentional is to take a step. You might have heard the old joke, how do you eat an elephant? Does anybody know? One bite at a time. That's the answer. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. There's also a famous phrase that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with just a single step. Right? In any gigantic task, the only hope you have is to take things one step at a time. Let me tell you, spiritual growth can be a gigantic task. I know it has been for me. And I think there are a lot of people who wouldn't even think of tackling it. I've met a lot of people like this. People who, who say, I wouldn't even possibly walk into a church. I'll invite somebody to church and they'll say something like, oh, I wouldn't go in there. I'd burst into flames immediately. Have you heard people say this? I've heard people say that. I wouldn't walk into a church. I'd burst into flames. And the reason that I think they think that way is because they think being a quote-unquote religious person means that you've got it all together, right? And they know without even thinking about it that they don't have it all together. And so they're not really even going to try because they're so far from having things together that there's absolutely no way that God or any of his people could possibly accept them the way they are. Now, hopefully you and I know that that's not true at all. Not only if we love Jesus, not only do we do the best we can to love other people, but we also know that our Heavenly Father loves people perfectly right where they are and without exception. Can I get an amen? God loves you right where you are without exception. I don't care if you're on step number one or step number a thousand. God loves you where you are. He just loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay stuck there, right? You don't have to have things figured out on your own in order to come to God because really then why would you need him anyway, right? We all need him. Every single one of us, whether we started following Jesus yesterday or a hundred years ago, every single one of us is still taking a step-by-step -step journey of spiritual growth and development. Some people's steps are a little bit bigger than others. Some people made a lot of progress once upon a time, maybe at first, and then just kind of stopped. Some people are just now, at this very moment, starting to get motivated to take the next step. But wherever you are, wherever you find yourself on that journey, today, I want to challenge you to be intentional 
about keeping those steps coming in your life. The Apostle Paul, we know him, we've talked a lot about his scriptures during this series because he wrote a lot about what it looks like to live the Christian life. He did this a lot. And in fact, it was so much as I was preparing for this message, it was hard to narrow it down to what we wanted to focus on today because he talks so much about what it looks like to live a transformed Christian life. But what I wasn't surprised by, and I hope you won't be either, is that Paul describes it as a step-by-step process. It's not just an overnight flip. He describes it as a step-by-step process. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of fruit. So he's saying we want you to have everything there is to have in your spiritual life. We want you to grow completely to maturity, to be the most like God that you can be, the most like Christ that you can be. But then he says in the next verse, all the while— you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. It's step by step. It's a process. Little by little, day by day, better and better. We want to live that kind of life that he describes, right? The kind that lives, that that produces good fruit of every kind, Paul says. We want to live that kind of life. Paul says we do that when we honor and please the Lord with our lives, but he says that we learn to know God better and better. As we're doing this, he goes on in chapter three, we're in Colossians chapter one, and then in chapter three, a little bit later, Paul defines things that characterize a life of sin and selfishness. He gives us a list of ugly things and he tells us to leave them behind. If you remember Marshall's message two weeks ago in week two, he showed this video and he said, stop it. You remember that? Like you're doing all this junk in your life. You're living with this garbage. Just stop it. Don't do that. You know, stop it. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, here's this list of of gross, ugly, sinful, selfish stuff that you're doing. He says, stop it. Put to death all the sinful things within you, he says. He gives us that list of what those things are. But then immediately, so that we're not without hope, he gives us this other list. He follows up with a list that that is a marker. Uh, It shows you all the things that are markers of a transformed life living for Christ. So listen to this in Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Paul says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Now, don't miss that part before we go on, because you were chosen by God to be his people, his person, his son, his daughter. God chose you. I don't want you to miss that. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, here's what you have to do. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And then down in verse 17, he says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. So Paul's list of the transformed life is a big list, right? It's pretty all-encompassing. It's like a thousand-foot view of your Christian life. He's saying, this is what you ought to look like. You ought to be kind, merciful, humble, gentle, patient. You know what? All the fruit of the Spirit that Paul also wrote about in Galatians chapter 5, 
These are all the things that should mark your Christian life and the way that you've been changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. And then in case he left anything out, he even says in this verse, he says, whatever you do, do it like Jesus. So if I didn't mention it already and it's not covered yet, go ahead and be like Jesus and you'll be okay, right? But when he says this, we can't forget that he had just said in chapter one, it's a step-by-step process. I don't want you to think, oh man, I'm hopeless. I'm looking at this giant task. How could I possibly just flip a switch and be like that? all the time right jesus was like that but i'm no jesus there's good news for us here he says it's a step by step in everything paul encourages us to do he's pointing out steps that we need to take in order to become a reflection of christ in the world i believe that paul is saying to us make today count make today Only being intentional every day about what we do is going to help us grow. This is how we live into and live up to what Paul says here. You were chosen by God to be his people, his son, his daughter. God had you in mind, your spiritual journey, your growth and development, your becoming like Christ. God had that in mind for you. When he created you. We want to live into that. You were chosen to be God's people. We can't stumble through life. We can't make it up as we go along and expect for God's best shaping and molding to be happening in our lives by accident. It doesn't work that way. We can't expect to have the impact that we might have for God if we don't allow him to direct our growth. We grow by intentionally submitting to him every day, by learning from him, by living out the teachings of Jesus. We take what God has given us and we become a conduit to the world around us. On a daily basis, we make today count by receiving from God his love, his grace, his wisdom, his teaching, his transformation power, and then we go and we spread that around. It's a constant inflow and outflow of God's spirit in our lives. We don't do this for our own sake, by the way. We don't do it for the recognition. We don't do it for the fame. We don't do it because people say, oh, that was so great what you did, the way you helped out your neighbor. We don't do it for pay. We don't do it for reward. We don't do it for awards. We do it because that's who Jesus is. He loves people. He calls us to love people. He calls us to be like him, and he calls us to love people. And those are the two things that this is talking about. The inflow and outflow of God's spirit in our lives. It's just like any other habit in our lives. If it sounds too big for you to handle, it's like any other habit. It gets easier and better the more you do it. Because, my friends, God doesn't just have a plan to transform your life. He wants to use the conduit of your life to impact the lives of other people. I implore you today, I ask you today, don't let your relationship with God only go as far as your personal, individual, devotional time goes. Because that's where we sometimes stop, isn't it? Don't stop there. Don't stop short of helping other people to encounter God's character and his kingdom. Because 
when you make today count, you're not just making it count for you. You're making it count all around you and in your entire circle of influence. One of my favorite characters from the Old Testament was the prophet Elijah. You heard a little bit about Elijah from our scripture reading today. Elijah had an incredible story. It's well worth reading. If you've never read through the story of Elijah, you can find it in 1st and 2nd Kings. Ends in the second chapter of Kings where we heard this morning. I'm not going to read the whole story for you. I'm going to give you a little quick summary. And then, of course, we had our scripture reading so you could hear the end. In Elijah's time on earth, I believe that he was someone who made today count. Elijah was tasked with doing some incredible things to call the people of Israel back to following God. Elijah confronted kings and rulers. He performed miracles, some on a really big scale. He personally saw the power and heard the voice of God. He spoke to huge audiences of people, and he also personally, individually showed God's love to one person at a time, like a widow and her son. Elijah was passionate. He was motivated. He was bold. And he was faithful. When his time on earth was over, Elijah didn't even die. He was taken up to heaven. He ascended much like Jesus did many years uh, later on. He didn't, he didn't just leave, though. He didn't just say, hey, I'm out of here and go. He had something important to do before he left. And we heard about it in our scripture reading from 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah called Elisha. He was like, your name sounds like my name. Let's, let's get together. No, Elijah called Elisha in order to be his assistant and eventually to take over for him. See, he was spreading out, spreading around the power of God that he had been given and passing it on to someone else. In that story we heard from 2 Kings 2, Elijah's about to go up to heaven, and he asks Elisha, is there anything I could do for you? Is there something you want before I leave? Elisha replies he would like a double portion of Elijah's spirit. So he'd seen all these amazing things that Elijah had done for God, and he knew about the stories. He knew what had been going on from this amazing prophet of God. And he says, you know what? I want twice as much. Elijah, you're my mentor. I'm your protege. I want twice as much of the spirit that empowered you. And that's exactly what happened. Because even before that chapter ends, we see Elisha starts doing miracles for God. My friend, that is the result of making today count. The people around you want to do even more for the kingdom of God than what you could do. That's what it means to make today count. The people around you want to do more for the kingdom of God than what you could do. That's why it's so important to take responsibility and be intentional about your spiritual growth because it isn't just about what God wants to do in you. It's about what he wants to do in the world around you. We've had four weeks of this series, right? Each week in our Jumpstart series, we've been talking about spiritual practices that can help you to grow. We've talked about things that are basic, like Bible study and how we incorporate that in our daily basis. We've, we've talked about ongoing things like accountability that we all need in order to stay straight uh, on the right track. And we've talked about deep and personal things like excavation and dwelling in God's presence and 
meditating on his word. And today, what I want you to see, what I want you to consider as your spiritual practice is the practice of serving. We grow when we serve. We develop as spiritual followers of Jesus when we serve people. In fact, what did Jesus say about serving? He said, whoever wants to be greatest among you, what is it? Will be your servant. That's right. Whoever wants to be greatest among you will be a servant. The church grows through serving each other, and the church will thrive when we pass on what God has given us, each one of us individually. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. See, like Elijah, we are given the instruction to pass on what we've learned in our spiritual journey with God. This is called multiplication. It's a basic concept that we learned in math class. But here's how it looks in ministry. See, if I share something with three people, let's say I pick three of you, and I share something with you, a word of God's truth, something that he showed me, and then you turn around and you share that with three more people. Each one of you does that. How many people is that? Nine, right? I shared with three, three shared with three, that's nine people, okay? If we keep going, by the time we get to ten generations of sharing, guess how many people we've shared with? 19,683 people have heard that message. If I share with three people and they share with three people, and that happens ten times, that's 19,683 people that have heard that message. When we serve alongside other people, we have an opportunity to share in a very hands-on, very incarnational way like what Jesus did and like Elijah did. And that's another way that we multiply God's kingdom. This, my friends, is intentionality. This is taking a conscious decision and putting it into practice. We are taking hold of the wheel. We're saying, okay, God, let's go. I'm ready to live out what you're doing in me. I'm ready to put my faith into practice. And other people, when they see that, are going to catch on to the fact that it is good to follow Jesus. It is good to follow Jesus, and it's even better when we do it together. The church is made up of people with all different kinds of gifts and talents. And there are all different kinds of things that we can do to use those gifts and talents to serve the Lord and to serve each other. Now, maybe your gift is hospitality. That's someone who loves to, to bring people into their, their home or into their space and say, hey, let me get to know you. Let me serve you some food. Let me take care of you. Let me, let me see if you have a need. I'll help meet it. Those are people that are hospitable. You know, I've heard stories from years past about people in this very church that were known as the people who would invite you over to lunch after church on Sunday. Do you know some of those people? Are you thinking about that person in your mind? Some of those people have passed on. I've been at their funerals, and I've heard those stories. But where are those people today? Could you be that person? Maybe you have that hospitality gift. And you need to start using it. You know, on another subject, there are a lot of children growing up in a world today that's a lot different than the world was 25 or 50 years ago. There are a lot of children growing up in homes that are broken and families that are broken and difficult situations 
maybe even homelessness, children who need someone to come alongside them and show them hope, who need to point them to right decisions or, or help them to learn about faith in Jesus. Maybe you could be a person who spends an hour a week or even an hour a month with a kid like that. We have a great children's ministry here where you could serve. I know Donegal Public Schools has a mentoring program, and their school year will be starting up soon. Maybe you could be that person. Have you thought about it? There are people here in the church, people who set up tables, people who play musical instruments, people who use computers, people who lead discussions, people who cook meals. Every single one of these people are serving God and other people. And when you serve people from a heart of love and the desire to share the reality of our faith journey and what God's doing and his transformation power in our lives, you're making today count. Now, I'm a pastor on staff at a church. This is my job. This is my paid vocation. But, you know, there were a lot of years when I wasn't paid on staff in a church. And during those years, I still wanted to use my gifts for God and for people. And I had enough experiences, both paid and unpaid, to be able to tell you that coming alongside other people to do ministry is powerful in your life. It's been powerful in my life. It, and it is both filling and draining at the same time. I've had people say to me, oh, you know, I can only give so much time to the church. And I understand that. You have a life. I get it. You know, you're not paid staff. You shouldn't be, you know, 40 hours a of work for the church. I get it. Definitely not. But at the same time, it's filling as well as draining at the same time. Because God pours into your life as you give your energy to ministry. Yes, we pour out our time, our energy, and our effort into the activities of the church but we're motivated to do that because of what God is doing in our lives and what we see him doing for others through these things we're doing together. Now, hopefully you'll never hear me talk about serving in church and hear it as a guilt trip. It's not meant that way. I'm never going to say you need to do more and more and more and more and more until you're burnt out. But you will hear me say that God energizes your own spiritual growth through serving. And that it can be one of the most fulfilling parts of your life. God made every single person who's hearing this message today as a uniquely gifted person with the potential to have great impact and influence for good in the lives of others. Serving is a way to discover how God has shaped you and at the same time make a difference for someone else. How cool is that? God made you for that. I want to take a moment right now, and I want to say to you, and I'm talking to each one of you here who has ever been a teacher, ever been a, a server of food, ever cooked the meal, ever helped with tech, ever prayed a prayer as a prayer warrior, ever been a musician, ever been a leader, ever been a small group leader, class discussion leader, anybody here who has ever helped ministry in this church to happen, I want to say thank you. You are making today count. And we could not do what we do without you. And I want you to know that. You are so loved, you are so appreciated, not just for what you can do, but for who you are, because God made you just the way you are in order to be part 
of what he wants to do among us as a church family, as a congregation, as a lighthouse to the community. God made you for that. My friends, we're encouraged today to make today count. God works in our lives through our spiritual growth in order to make today count in us and then make today count in the world around us. If you're feeling prompted by the Spirit as we talk about this today, I want to ask you to take a step today and come find me or Pastor Josh or somebody else on staff. Natalie Wagner is our women's ministry director. Uh, Chelsea Santiago is our children's ministry director. And, and I've got to tell you, all of us would be happy to talk with you and just brainstorm together. We're not going to put pressure on you, obligate you to anything. You're not married to a certain role for the rest of your life. You can try something out. You can say, hey, I think I would like to you know, try out registration at Pioneer Clubs. Well, great, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. If it's not for you, that's fine. You gave it a shot. Try something else. Maybe instead of Pioneer Clubs, maybe you want to learn to run a soundboard. I don't know. There's a million things we can do together that, that together, when we come together and when we ask God to lead us together, he can do amazing things through this community of faith. And he made each one of us for part of that. So if you're feeling prompted, that door is open. Come have a conversation with us. And I'm so thankful for every single person here, especially these guys that I get to work with in the worship ministry and the tech ministry week in and week out. And I'm thankful for all of you. Let's pray together and let's ask God to bless us as we go forward from here, taking these notes and these thoughts about spiritual growth and see what he wants to do among us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your plans for us are always good. We are never hopeless. We are never lost when, when we have you in our hearts and in our minds. God, it's a time of, of great rejoicing among the, among the people of this church. It's a time of change, of seasons. It's a time, Lord, where you have, I believe you have blessed us in new ways. I believe you have shown up in ways that we have only begun to understand. And Lord, I think part of that is this discussion about spiritual growth, that you have begun to awaken in us a desire for that next step. For people who have not taken a step of spiritual growth for many years, Lord, you're beginning to open up that part of their mind and heart again. You're beginning to say, I have even more for you than what you expected. And we're hearing, Lord, and we're responding to that. For people who are new to the idea of spiritual growth or new to our church family. You are opening just a great horizon of possibilities in front of us, Lord. You are showing us that what your best for us is, is far better than anything that we could imagine. And Lord, we are great. We are grateful that you love us so much and that we get to do this thing together in our lives. We get to be part of the church family together. We get to be part of ministry together. We get to worship you together. Lord, you deserve every single thing we could possibly give, and we could never say or do enough to measure up to what you've done for us. But Lord, we submit and surrender to you with the spirit of people who just want to live the life that pleases you, that we might spend eternity with you in heaven, enjoying the presence of God. Lord, that is a promise you have given to us. 
We stand in that promise today, thanking you that we get to follow you now. In Jesus' name.